0: Let's hear it for the boys. Let's give the boys a hand. Oh, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I did that wrong. I should have started with the boys are back in town. I messed that up for the season two premiere. That was a big.
1: As you all, as you all know, we do a solid 45 minutes of warming up with uh, (laughs) classic acapella music. It's just Alex just finishes right as the podcast is starting.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I am Alex. Hello. I'm, Welcome to Let's Hear for the Boys. <laughs> uh,
1: hello. I'm Justin. Also, I'm Pete. boy. And uh, as mentioned, we're going
0: to be talking about the season two premiere Love the boys, very exciting. They are, in fact, back in town or more specifically on prime video. Now, word of wording here. you probably figure this out, but you should have watched the first episode already um i know the first three dropped today but uh we're only going to be talking about the first one check out the subsequent podcast for discussion of C- uh, episode two episode three we're not going to spoil anything that happens there uh but we are going to be talking about i believe it's uh, titled the big ride but we'll double check that um but let's give a brief overview of what happened in the episode and then i want to talk about all the big moments
2: i yeah. i just want to say Yes, and I like the for season two, a little bit nicer to people, not really scolding them for not watching the app. You're just lightly recommending it. And I'm very happy about the improvement.
0: Listen, Pete, if they haven't watched it, they're horrible pieces of shit. Oh, but, you know, whatever on. they
2: want to do, whatever they want to wow. do. Don't say that to our lovely audience.
1: I think TV is best consumed by uh, hearing a recap podcast and a bunch of uh, crackpot ideas that the hosts have about the show (laughs) rather than actually watching the program. It's added value. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, Actually, before we get into the recap of what happened in this episode, uh, clearly a lot of stuff went on the first season. uh, You can go back, listen to those episodes. We love the first season of the show. Getting back into it, it's always. I, I think there's a certain difficulty in in jumping into a second season of a show, particularly when it's a big hit like The Boys. Now you know how it was received. You know what the fan reaction is. As writers, as directors, as producers, whatever else, you kind of need to uh, take that in and then potentially push it away or potentially deal with it in some way, uh, and then jump into the episode as well as kick starting a new plot for the second season. So with that all in mind, especially
1: the first season, you have such a strong starting point plot-wise. You have mm-hmm. um, A-Train killing Robin uh, and like just really kicking off our characters in such an easy, understandable I, way. I
2: just, I just feel like killing her is an understatement. He ran through her. Yeah, I mean okay. that's so what, when I say when died. I say
1: I have to go to a funeral. Someone died. It's usually because someone ran through them. That's wow. just the way I look at death. Ninety percent
0: of deaths today are because somebody got ran through. Oh, yeah. whether with sword or person. <laughs> yes.
1: uh, Alex is a time displaced musketeer. For those of you just coming to the podcast, uh, Parthos. Yeah, uh, Athos? Anth- I don't oh, know. My. You don't even know the other Argos? Musketeers? <laughs> <laughs> Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Most uh like best displayed in the movie Three Musketeers from the early nineties, starring um Chris O'Donnell And a couple other guys. (laughs) A bunch of Robins in that movie,
0: if you ask me. Oh, come on. A lot of Robins. Speaking back to Boys, where Robin got run through to kind of bring it back around there. (laughs) Uh, We start in a very different place this episode, which we'll get to in a moment. But what was your general take on the premiere? How'd you feel about it? How'd you feel about getting back in this world? Because I'll also note the other thing that's different is the first season was dropped all at once, Versus this one, they've dropped the first three episodes and then going weekly. So I I don't know how much of that was in the process, but certainly it seems like they're potentially aiming for a different pace here.
1: Uh, Yes, and I think this episode really shows that, like... As opposed to the first season where it's like uh, hit you over the head with the first couple things that happen, this it feels like you're sort of very ease, very much easing in back into this world. It's like a warm bath, and you can feel the heat slowly ah. turning up on all the characters.
2: I don't know about any of that, but I do like... A bath. How- it's
1: like a shower, but you sit down.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar. But I do really appreciate the previously on was well paced very and, very what, good previously yeah and like really kind of hit all the violent highlights which was great uh and i i thought that this first episode was such a great welcome back like hey my old buddy come on how about some crazy times it, i thought it, it did a great job of and i agree with justin like it didn't smack you in the face a bunch of times. It eased you back into it, but also gave you some unbelievable violence to start. Black Noir, just one of our favorites from the first season, hits it high to start, which was really great.
1: And I think unlike some other shows where it's like, remember all the stuff that happened? This show's pretty smart about being like, you know, Homelander is still obsessed with Stillwell, and you're like, oh, right, he killed her. <laughs> like, you're <laughs> you're slowly like... They treat you as a as a smart audience member mm-hmm. rather than um hitting you over the head too hard with exposition
0: yeah, the way that it parses out information, particularly in this first episode while it's rechecking in with all the characters, is it gives it to you organically as a way of setting up the season two plot versus versus pure recap to your point, I think I'm essentially saying what you say, but I, I like this episode as well, I think um There's some great sequences in here. It definitely, to your point, starts a little more slowly than the first episode of the second season, but that's okay. We like these characters, and it's nice to spend time with them again and see them again uh, and catch up with them, even though uh, it's not as immediately clear what the thrust of the second season is, uh, though, though I do think we get some interesting setup there that we'll probably talk about as we go. So that all said, brief overview of the plot, and then let's jump into some specific uh, plot lines and characters and things. Uh, so we got our uh, several trains running, but we got the boys train. Butcher is gone. He's been framed for the murder of Stillwell. The boys are hiding out with some Haitian drug dealers that Frenchie does, uh, kind of working for them, kind of being sad sacks and just avoiding the world because they're wanted also, as we find out later, for the death of Stillwell in conjunction with Billy Butcher. Uh, but at the same time, Huey is working with Annie to try to track down some Compound V, essentially continuing the plan for the previous season, while everybody else wants to lay low. Unfortunately, soup terrorists are coming into the United States. One of them attacks one of the Haitian drug dealers, uh, who we find out is also ferrying human cargo. Uh, And the end result is Raina, uh, I think her name is, or is it Rainer? Rainer. Rainer, the CIA agent from last season. Uh, realizes that this is all Voight behind the scenes, pulling the strings, bringing in the soup terrace as well as everything else, and then her head explodes, which leads Freddie to call Butcher, get him back in the fold, uh, and Huey uh, steps out of his Harry Potter cactus metaphor. Ooh,
1: wow.
0: Well, he does. I mean, he's trying to step up and be like the boy who lived and lead everybody reluctantly, and then Butcher's like, Daddy's so, home at the end. So that's where we uh. end up with that. Over with the Seven, Homelander is laying the ground for the New World Order. He got rid of Stilwell. He's in charge now. He brings back Ashley, the absolutely great Colby Midifee, to Ah, be his minion here. And he's running things. He's determining absolutely everything until... Towards the end of the episode, we meet a new character, Stormfront, played by Aya Cash, uh, from the, oh my gosh, what was the name of her show? You're the Worst. You're the Worst. Uh, Love, great
1: show. Amazing. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, particularly the second season of that show is fantastic, if you've never checked it out. Uh, But she comes into Stormfront. Oh,
1: Alex, I meant You're
0: the Worst. I don't know the name of the show. Oh, man. The name of her show is I Love You, Alex. (laughs) 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 Uh, But... Uh, She comes in, upends the apple cart, uh, says she's part of the Seven. That upsets Homelander, and he finds out what the actual lay of the land is. Mr. Edgar, played by Giancarlo Esposito, lays out that Voight is not a superhero company. It's a pharmaceutical company, and the superheroes are just part of it. They're the advertising. They're the window dressing, uh, which drives Homelander a little crazy. uh, And towards the end of the episode, he shows up at Becca's house, which you might remember from the last season. Butcher's wife is very much alive and has Homelander's son. So that's a little dangling thing there. And the last little train we got running is uh, The Deep. (laughs) The Deep is over in Sandusky. He is getting very drunk on fruity cocktail drinks uh, over in a TGI Friday style bar. He hits rock bottom, meets a new superhero we meet uh, called Eagle the Archer, who uh, tries to get him involved in a very Scientology, but for superheroes esque organization. So lots of other things going on. And the last thing you probably need to know that I'm sure we'll touch on is there's an incredible music artist named Billy Joel, who has written a couple of songs. And uh, there you go. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's definitely a subplot. (laughs) Uh, Billy Joel is a musician, and he's writing songs. Uh, He's a piano man.
0: Yes, he is. He's uh, on that Downeaster Alexa, I think. Great song. One of the best. Yes. Uh, So that all said, where should we start with? Pete, I'm sure you're busting at the seams to talk about some very tidy, weird little thing that I'm not predicting.
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, first off, yeah, I mean, you overscale. Uh, you completely passed over the fact that Fresca is evil. And I'm glad we're really dealing with this. Because Can we talk
0: about this? Because anyway, I, like, time, I like
2: Fresca. I yeah, like Fresca. That's exactly my point.
0: It's <laughs> good confession! Good
2: the evil madman who has been brainwashed. And uh, yeah, avoid Fresca at all costs. If someone it's hands a you a Fresca, soda, slap Delicious. him in the face and run the other direction.
0: Here's the thing. I love the specificity of Fresca. It's a mm. great, stupid drink to have somebody. Yeah. Now, but Fresca,
1: better than you expect when you try No. It. No way. No, I don't think so. No uh, way. No
2: <laughs> possible way.
1: It's like if someone mixed Sprite with uh, just a couple drops of Pine Sol <laughs> and made a little cocktail and they were like, you like a Fresca? <laughs> They're you need to clean like, your mouth? <laughs> you need to clean your mouth, bro? Here's a fresca. No,
2: anytime you drink a fresca, whoever gave it to you, you wonder if they hate you. There, It's not a good drink. Yeah. And It's never met with yay. It's, it's a break. I,
1: it's a breakup drink. You hand it to do a drink wonder, to a person. You, I do wonder you don't how, don't see how they anymore.
0: sold Fresca on this plot line where they're like, "Hey, we're going to give you very prominent product <laughs> placement. You're going to be the worst." And they're like, "That's our bread, baby." <laughs> hey,
1: keep exactly. It in the Fresca. Fresca knows what they're getting into. Fresca's like, <laughs> anything. If you wanted to just say our name or feature a can in the background, it could be under. It could be in the fridge. We don't care. Just, just say Fresca every now and again. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh so man. Fresca Pete, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, <laughs> was there something else with that plot line you to I mean we could start with the Scientology thing which I think is a really fun place to take the deep in particular and it's an yeah. aspect of this world uh, we explored uh what is it saviors embrace is, is that what the sort of like very Christian Catholic religion is uh, uh last I... season. Yeah, exactly what it is. Yeah. I should look yeah. up the stuff know. before we start talking. Uh, but we <laughs> explored like that aspect of religion last episode, and it's a very specific, uh, very uh, good celebrity thing to start exploring some sort of Scientology thing, uh, and the deep I think is the perfect in for it.
1: Yeah, and uh, when you after you get drunk at a splash zone, um, you're yeah. in trouble.
2: Yeah, you're you fucked you're, up. Yeah. That was hysterical, but also I want to get back to something that Justin loves, and that's tight packages. Like, there was some real fun packages in this episode, a lot of fun. Why'd you like, say it T- like that? TV moments, <laughs> like, really kind of pulled back the curtain, fun I would stuff. Argue,
1: I would argue this whole episode is full of TV moments.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's all, every moment is. It's an is. hour
0: and seven minutes of uh, nonstop TV moments.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's TV in the TV moments, though. Yo, what are you talking about? No, he's talking
0: about, like, uh, I I was going to call this out with the deep thing in particular, that there's a really, there's a fun thing that happens in the background. He's watching Translucent's funeral on TV. They're showing off pictures. The pictures are hilarious because they're doing these slow-mo baby pictures of translucent where he's invisible. The last one they show is him and his bar mitzvah, I assume, where it's just a yarmulke floating in the air and he's wearing the tallest and everything. Very hilarious. Uh, But then they show a picture of, I think it's Homelander with translucent and probably queen Maeve. uh, And deep gets pissed off because you can just see his shoulder and he's like, they cut me out of the picture. They cut me out of the picture. And then later on, Not during the Deep storyline, but I believe when we go back to the boys, if I remember correctly, they're watching a news report where the Deep is at this splash zone and he's standing in one of those take your picture with the seven things where he's like, take my picture, they cut me out of the picture. And he's standing with the seven uh, in this take my picture thing. And it's just so pitiful and so sad and funny.
1: Well, and this, this show does uh, such a great job of just calling out fame culture. And I think the two things you talked about there are, are that, like The Deep um, has lost his shot here. Uh, he is no longer famous and he cannot deal. So he does what many people do is ends up fa- falling into this other organization, uh, the, the Scientology um Thing. But at the same time, they're coming at it from the other side with Translucent's big funeral where you have all this, like, uh, made over for TV, yeah, over the yeah. top. The I song
2: love, is hilarious.
1: Yeah. Uh, you got Starlight singing a song in a pretty killer wig uh, (laughs) the the whole time, her new superpower. Um, This
0: is jumping over to that storyline, but i want to ask before I forget. I'm sure Pete has some opinions on this. Uh, Starlight is back in her sexy costume instead of her regular original costume, which is something we dealt with the last season. I I have some ideas of why I think this is happening, uh, but what is your guys' take on it?
2: It's kind of punishment for her shit with Huey.
1: Well, and I think it's, uh, I think she has a little bit of choice there, and I think she is fully assuming this identity uh, because she is, as we found out in this episode, sort of a double agent for Huey and the boys. Uh, she's in there, so she has to play the, play the role, and that's why she sings this killer song. Uh, it's hilarious. And, and is with Homelander. They're, like, they're holding hands, they're friends uh, to the public eye. So she's playing a game now, and that involves wearing a, uh, a bummer of a costume.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that sequence towards the beginning. Uh where, right before yeah. the titles where where like uh, she's
2: taking off all the mm-hmm. stuff and Huey's yeah, it's it's a great sequence.
0: Yeah, she's basically she's stripping down and looking at herself and looking literally looking at herself in the mirror and be like, "What am I doing right now? What is happening mm-hmm. with my life? Where am I?" And Huey is doing the same thing. He's suiting up in his dork costume uh, and getting dressed in the absolute worst way possible, also looking at yourself in the litter and being like, both of them, she's high up, he's low down, they're both looking at how far they've fallen based on everything that happened in the past season. And yeah. It's, it's a very smart sequence. And of course, it's uh, scored
1: to, I believe, under pressure by Billy Joel. By uh, William, Joel. Um, William Joel. If I could just look this up, I guess he's a a pop musician from mm-hmm. so, the uh,
2: Can so I tell Lebanese- a little
0: story about Under Pressure real quick? Oh, my God.
2: All right. No, yeah. no, This,
0: this is, uh, so Billy Joel uh, came and did one of those uh, solo, just him on a piano concerts at my college when I was there. I'm and, sorry. Uh, what was he playing? Piano? Yeah, okay. Just, did just I say that weird it weird this time? Yeah, piano. <laughs> wow.
1: Piano. 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 Pete, you're, you're, the detail work you're doing about everything <laughs> from Fresca to Alex's slightly longer or shorter A on piano is impressive. Uh,
0: so my friend was, uh, who I went with was uh, obsessed with Under Pressure in particular. And afterwards, we went outside He we're to where he was coming out uh, from the concert. And everybody was like getting autographs and whatever. And she's very specifically, she's like, hey, I have a question for you, because part of his concert thing was he would play the concert and then he would answer audience questions. So it was like very Q&A with Billy Joel, which is pretty cool. But she didn't get to ask her question. She's like, hey, I can never get the beginning of Under Pressure. I don't know how to play it. And he's like, give me your head. She said, what? And he said, give me your head. And she's like, OK. And she bent down and put her head out in front of him. And he played under pressure at the beginning on her head. And he's like, there. That's how you play under pressure. Wow. That's weird. <laughs> it was very weird. I don't I th- think she got
1: it. <laughs> yeah. That's a classic piano technique, uh, piano teaching technique of really just strumming it out on someone's body and then being like, now you know.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I'll mention was... she did have a toy piano taped to her head. I don't know if that
1: makes a difference oh, in the story. Sense. Oh, right. You uh, yeah. dated a piano head for quite some time. We I weren't dating. That.
0: It was just a friend, okay?
1: Okay. I'm sure you weren't obsessed with her and just secretly going out with her to this concert as a friend and not you at all interested in this? trying to hold her hand at any point during the concert. And she was like, Stop it, Alex. I'm here to see Billy.
2: <laughs> Bottle of red. But I don't why No wonder you. you cry
1: every time Billy Joel plays. Yeah,
2: yeah, thank you for sharing that story. I hope you and your friend are still friends. Um, <laughs> I, I I would
1: just like You're the f- you the Huey of that story, by the way. Just I so clear I, exactly
2: that story.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean we're all the Hueys of most stories, let's be honest. A bunch <laughs> of Hueys. <laughs>
2: before we get too far into the app, I just want to back up the truck a little bit. We've ba- um,
0: we've talked about Fresca and under pressure. We barely got into the episode. Yeah, this, this truck point.
2: hasn't
1: started moving yet, baby. It's still, the, in P. The this use truck's still in P
2: of black. Noir is my favorite thing about the show. They have taken a character and being like, let's have some fun with how we use this character. It's, just here and there in little spots, but it's always amazing. The part where Black Noir rips a dude's like jaw off was insane. And then that little part with the bunny and the kid, holy shit was that intense. Uh, It's so, like, it's just such a great example of the show being so creepy, but also weirdly funny and quirky. It's just... Uh, it was just such a crazy, fantastic beginning that got me really excited about the show being back. Well, that's
0: from the comics, I believe. I I mean kind of. Black Noir does that to Homelander in the comics, is rips his jaw off. That's how he ends up dying. Um, I don't think that's necessarily gonna happen in the show, but Spoiler, uh, thought, Jesus. Spoiler for the sorry, spoiler for the comics. Uh, but that's that's a fun riff on it. Like I like how they touch on the comics, but they very much establish their own thing, their own emotional intensity, their own characters here, um, in a way that doesn't feel exclusive of the comics, um, but is still marking its own path.
1: Yeah, I agree. It, it, the, the show is written from such a, a confident place. And, uh, this episode really does that, especially with this, uh, the, the stuff you 're talking about uh, with Black Noir introducing Stan Edgar, and then the montage catching us up with what everyone 's doing uh really great yeah, I mean, talking about specificity and where I want to
0: talk about little details, I love that montage with Edgar, particularly the intern or assistant whoever coming in. the specificity of the dishes that everybody has ordered for lunch in the middle is great, like it's. Yeah. It's very executive. It's very LA, even though this is set in New York, uh, and it's very funny to uh, jump between that and everything else that's going on, particularly the violence with black noir. Yes, Pete, what's up?
2: Um, so this is something because uh, Homelander kept talking about what floor they're on, right? And it's this hierarchy, like in a, a kind of like a. Empire, like a skyscraper type building where like the higher the floor, the more power you are, you have, you know? So like, what
1: are you, Donald Trump?
2: Well, no, because they were like, Oh yeah, I'm on 82. Ooh, going to 99, all this kind of stuff. But then we saw like this, the seven has this like table set up. And then we saw the execs at bought at that same table set up. So I was wondering if it's the same all the way higher above them or if they're now in their conference room?
0: They were probably, great question. Uh, And I would argue that a building like that is not just a skyscraper type of building, but in fact, a skyscraper. (laughs) Uh, That all said, I think think one of the uh, clear implications here, because now we are getting into Mr. Edgar's floor, something that was teased a lot in the first season, is that everybody is afraid of somebody that that's a theme that played throughout the first season. And what we're getting here is like Homelander finally feels like he's in charge. He's the person who is running shit around here. And it turns out it doesn't matter the floor. It doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter where he barges in. He is not. It's Giancarlo Esposito, who is 100% in charge. And I love I love this shot towards the end of the episode when Homelander is in his office uh, and Homelander goes through his whole spiel, says, you know what? I'm thinking maybe I'll uh, try out some other place when my contract runs out. What do you think about that? And you just get a classic cut to Giancarlo Esposito. No reaction. nobody in the business where you could just hold on them for 10 seconds where they don't move their face. And it's just terrifying. (laughs) He just has this
1: thing. He has this dead eye thing that he can do that is just... It's perfect, and it's also different from his Breaking Bad stuff. Like it's wildly different, but still equally uh, intimidating.
2: So. Also, Alex, you can just say you don't know if if I ask you a question, you don't know. You don't have to like then go into a whole spiel. You know what I mean? You well, here, let, like, me, let me let me feel this. Don't know this why. Way. What was your question? Uh, if he was they had their own floor, or if they took over their floor.
1: <laughs> it's a, and I think what it is is. Uh, They have their own floor. Okay. It's the same floor. That's what it seemed like, but I
2: wasn't (laughs) sure if it was more.
1: It's not like, I understand what you're saying, but it's not like, all right, you're on the seventh floor. Congratulations on your promotion. Now you have to move up to the eighth floor. (laughs) It's not like a a Rampage-style video game where you're crawling up the building to get more success. I think think it it is, though. What they set up in the first season was that, uh, I think it's the 99th floor, They we never saw that. That was sort of the, the secret boss of the whole thing. We saw Stillwell, who was in her own spot. Um, so I think, uh, I think it's not necessarily a promotion. It's just now we have access to this, to Stan Edgar, the man who is running this company.
0: Right. Cool. And I know it's been a while with the pandemic and everything, but when you work at a business... You can rent out different conference rooms. You can book them. So I assume they were trying to impress the military people uh, with the power of the organization. That's why I have Giancarlo Esposito's Edgar sitting at the front of the uh, V table, the sevens table. uh, And, uh, you know, it was probably just enough room for the meeting. It's probably the biggest conference room. Wow. Yeah. That's how it works. Uh, great. I think we've covered everything in the episode now. We've talked about the conference rooms, the Fresca, uh, and, of course, Billy Joel. Nope. So that's it for
1: Let's Hear It. That's called The Plot. Uh, yeah. Pete, I do think it's, it sounds like you're trying to book one of these conference rooms, and you're just <laughs> like, are they on the 99th floor? Because I just want to know if the, that room's open, because I have a big meeting there. That yeah, it's wanna... hard
2: to get that that one conference room for meetings. you really mm-hmm. got to book months and events. Um, but Uh, I would like to say I was surprised to see A-Train on life support. He,
0: The way we left him at the end of the last season was he had a heart attack, like a massive coronary, and only Starlight calling for help is what saved him. Um, I also love when we're talking about the way that they parse out information without saying it, just this scene of Starlight coming in, checking on him. He is the ticking time bomb. He knows about her. He knows about Huey. The fact that he is alive and on life support, if he wakes up, that's real bad for her at this point.
1: Yeah, Yeah. bad for everybody. Yes.
0: Uh, Can we, uh, on that note, let's talk about Starlight's plotline because we get to see her... Visit one of Not of her old teammates But like old campmates A uh, Soup called Gecko Who is now working In the lab At Voight She blackmails him Because he is Renting himself out uh, To people who want to Chop
1: arms off For money It's a stress limbs. reliever I like that you say Renting himself out <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well he's that not... <laughs>
1: I don't know no, nice. What would you call it? I think that's the crime when you uh, um, have sex with a stranger for money. They call it uh, rent. Rent. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what my landlord is selling it as. So I was, <laughs> I wasn't, a, I wasn't soliciting a prostitute. I was renting um, a friend for a couple
2: hours. Yeah, we're gonna go see Billy Joel. I'm just gonna rent a friend. <laughs> oh,
1: man. Wow! Rude. I like the <laughs> prostitute with a piano on her head. If possible, <laughs> piano. <laughs> all right, bud. Uh, this Annie storyline is
0: nice. I like how Ellen Moriarty plays it in particular because she uh, she is alternately not comfortable at all with the blackmail stuff, and then bubbly and excited when she's talking to Huey about it. And you could, I love the like. Naivete of the line when he she calls him is like I did it I did it. He's gonna get the compound V to me in I don't know one or two days, which is not how blackmail works. No, uh, but great. Uh, she she does a great job with the storyline across the board.
1: Um, yeah, you, I mean the fresco sponsorship is really fun. But how would how do you think they got the Geico people to get on board with this? Yeah, I know
2: the, that poor Gecko is gonna be out of work after this airs. Um, I I do think though that it was interesting to see kind of how far, how deep Starlight has gotten into this. Like, you can tell she's being very fake with Homelander and uh, just kind of playing a part. And then, like, when she, she's so good at it now. Like, the way she played Gecko was like, oh, Gecko, is that you? Oh, my God, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, and then kind of goes off on a little bit of a dark rant where I was like, ooh. And then uh, very calmly blackmails him. And then we can tell like her true feelings when she calls Huey. But, man, this whole Huey and Annie thing is still driving me insane. Huey, what are you doing? Tell her the fucking truth, you asshole. You're in too deep. Why are you still lying to her? What are you trying to do?
1: You mean he's in too deep
2: in love? Yes, yes. And also in all the other things that he's in. Um, yeah their uh, their meet up on
1: the subway I thought was a really good left us like so uh feeling for them, I think yeah, mm-hmm. like you can tell they both want to like be with each other. The whole uh, light
2: touching thing was such a great cool thing uh that's great classic riding on the subway with the girl you like
0: thing where it's just like your legs are kind of touching you're looking at them uh, we uh, we do uh for those of you who are just listening to the boys podcast, we do a comic book podcast so i've talked about this. Incessantly, but there's this thing in a book called Box Office Poison by Alex Robinson where they have a similar moment where people just kind of touch their pinkies together the girl he likes and the guy who likes her and he draws it as a lightning bolt coming down between them and it's just wonderful like uh, just that gets that feeling across and you can feel that with Huey and Annie here until he inevitably screws it up and pushes her away. Uh, There's a dick. There's a fun Easter egg here, though. I I looked this one up. So he asks her about uh, going to, I think, the Teen Choice Awards, uh, and he gets the name wrong. And then she specifies, I never know how to pronounce his name, but uh, that it's Alden Eichenreich, who Mm. played Han Solo and Solo and was on Brave New World and did a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Alden Eichenreich and Jack Quaid actually, I believe, went to high school together. Uh, So that's a fun little Easter egg in joke there where he's pissed off and doesn't like him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's the Huey and Annie stuff. Uh, let's talk about the boys because we haven't really touched on, you know, the titular, yeah, boys. The, the titular that's boys, the titular role. Um, uh, how are you feeling about their situation? Pete, there were so many lines in here from mother's milk in particular uh, that I could hear you clapping and shouting.
2: Yeah, there was some great, great stuff. Uh, Um, and also like mother mother's milk was glorious. Like when he like points out like how they're in some more shit because of Huey trying, uh, he has a line goes, you happy now motherfucker? Like just glorious, just absolutely glorious. Um, Great dollhouse work. The dollhouse work. was what I was going to say. Next was so fantastic. Also, working on the dollhouse while rocking a Wu-Tang shirt, just glorious. Like, Uh, I couldn't have designed a better fucking, that was just so cool. My favorite line in the episode, and I wrote
0: this one down, if you're the reason I can't finish that Vermont country dollhouse, (laughs) I will fucking end you.
2: (laughs) Great. Yeah. Made me laugh out loud. Oh, so
1: great. I mean, they're definitely they're in a spot where they're they're just hiding. So you get to see their personalities pop a little bit each on their own. Uh, Kamiko's learning how to write, and uh, something's going on uh, with um, with her reconnecting with some some people. Maybe uh, Frenchie is. I don't really know what he's doing. He's maybe flirting, maybe not.
0: Well, there's also there's a nice moment that I think you go either way, but when when it's revealed that they're wanted along with Butcher and they have Frenchies uh, under his picture, it says unknown. The way that he plays that, it's almost that he's disappointed that they don't know who he is, which is a very funny reaction. Uh, I love that. And also
2: the female is not in that too. And it's, that's a little, you know, they don't know about her, which hopefully will be an advantage for them.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, I loved, I loved the Billy Butcher reenactment. Um, oh, yeah that, we see that here. Was,
2: uh, yeah, that was to- the tight package I was talking about. Like they really some fun over the top acting for that guy playing Butcher was hysterical. And then the Seth Rogen interview for like the channel change- changing was glorious. Yeah,
0: it's fun to have that they were doing a, a Seth Rogen popped in for a Black Noir junket. Last Mm -hmm. season and this season, he pops in for a translucent junket. That's a fun running bit to have every season. Uh, It's enjoyable. Uh, But yeah, to your point, I mean, they're and and this is the thing that like uh, shows that they're taking it sort of slow here is that you do have the boys not really stepping up and very purposely saying, no, we want to stay out of this. We want to get back to our families. We want to get back to normal. We just got to hide here for a while. And it isn't until the end of the episode when you get that great. Butcher reintroduction—that I think is so smart—that they just hold off until that very final moment of the episode. Him walking into the tracksuit, kicking the guy down the stairs, saying "Daddy's home," it, you know that the season is going to kick into high gear from there. Yeah,
1: he's the chaos agent, and yeah. they've just been uh, in going to ground this whole time, and then you see him at
2: the end. You're like, here we go. Can we talk about blind spot? Favorite Sh- hero. Sure. Yeah, um, what do you want to say, Pete? Well, first off, like, such a cool intro, like, so badass. And then, like, Homeland. as soon as Homelander did, like, the Columbo, like, just one more thing. Where he's like, I just want to ask one question. And then walks up to him and just, like, does the old cup ears. Oh, un- unbelievable. That was so... Horrible. Gross! And so much like, blood. You knew something bad was going to happen, but you just didn't know. Uh, well, it's a great pair of scenes
0: because you go from Homelander finding that breast milk that Stillwell has left behind, oh, heating yeah. it up, the
1: way that he... Great cl- find. Clit-
0: ...licks at
1: it
2: oh, out of the bottle so is gross.
0: disgusting. Like, absolutely disgusting. Ashley uh, coming in, her reintroduction into the blind spot scene, which is horrifying. More than anything, it reestablishes Homelander as the biggest threat on the show and just a broken, weird, sociopathic, horrifying individual before... Uh, The rug is pulled out from under him by Mr. Edgar, and we find out where the true power is by the end of the episode. So it's very nicely done across the board.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of power, shifting power dynamic. We see Ashley go very quickly from, like, I'm in charge now. And then she's like, nope, I'm not. I'm terrified constantly. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) And then Homelander has sort of a similar revelation with Edgar when he finds out that uh, Vought worked for Hitler and all this, like, oh, shit. (laughs) Hitler? Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. Here we go. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Just the way he was like, what do you know about Edward Vaughn? You're like, oh, God, this is going to get creepy. But I did want to talk real quickly, like, Homelander's ability to, like, switch on a dime. Like the fa- he was so touching and be when Blindspot spot was like, Oh my God, Homelander, it's you. And he was like, Oh, you know, it's me. Wow. This is amazing. How would you, how do you do that? You know, like being so what seemingly genuine and so touched by somebody and then immediately turning into a psychopath.
0: Yeah, it's great. Uh, the way Anthony Starr plays the character is oh. pretty amazing. Um, let, let's talk about another hero. Let's talk about, uh, well, potential hero, uh, Stormfront.
1: Definite hero, her, no doubt about it. Yeah, good, good guy. They're not going <laughs> to do anything with her, probably. No,
0: nope. uh, Stormfront, nothing uh, about that name sends up red flags for me no. whatsoever. Uh, but she is streaming on Instagram, I That's believe.
2: smart. That's the only way she's
0: still alive right now. Well, we'll see. Uh, She – this introduction is great. Like, Aya Cash is amazing. I love how they introduce her. She's very different from anybody else. She is doing the unfiltered social media thing as a way of her pumping herself up, which, again, gets back to a different side of celebrity that we haven't really seen before. Uh, And her coming into – this promo that's very carefully scripted and completely blowing it up right there in their faces, shutting down Homelander is great. You mentioned Ashley being terrified, and there's a very quick reaction of her in the middle when she reveals she's a new member of the Seven, where Ashley basically bursts into tears almost, says, I didn't know about this. I didn't, basically, don't kill me, Homelander. Uh, yeah. whole sequence is well done. Uh, what's your take on her so far?
1: Uh, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's really smart to it puts Homelander on his heels in in another area because it's he, she's like young, cool on Instagram, and he's like, "What is this? I don't get this." And then she has power over him because of that because she doesn't care about his shit. So it's great, and like you said, Iacash is so good. It's such a fun energy in this group. Someone who sort of cuts through all their um uh fronting and like putting on this uh we're big superheroes and everything she just sort of is like fuck
2: all this yeah as soon as she stops record live streaming she's dead
1: <laughs> <laughs> you uh, to be fair you say that about everyone <laughs> <laughs> uh I will say I watched a uh interview
0: with her where Aya cash talked about this a little bit and uh it was interesting to hear her say that she was actually very nervous to come into the second season and work with an established cast. Uh, but because that is her whole character, she used that energy for it. That she was the person who came in to this established group, didn't care, didn't care about anybody, and was in charge and running shit anyway. And you could really feel that in her performance. Uh, very well done. And what very I gotta fun. say
1: This show across the board, it feels like everyone's having so much fun making it. The cast feels like they really get along, uh, and and the creators as well. It feels like such a a project. Everyone is like, yes, let's do this forever. Uh, We get to say what we want on this show, and it's really nice to see that.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, that kind of... Dovetails nicely into the real hero of this episode, which is that welcome mat that says you better have tacos. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how do you go? How do you not have that as your welcome mat now? Like, I feel like that's going to be the number one selling welcome mat of all time. <laughs>
1: <Wow>. <laughs> and it's, it, it's a tight race. He And huge take from Pete, the number one demanding the welcome mat sales to. I'm, rise. The, I'm
2: looking up where I can get that now. I mean, are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> little threatening to anybody who shows up with another food item uh, to your house.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, I got a plate of spaghetti, and, and I'm like, fuck, then Matt says tacos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just uh, take, a, take the plate and fold it in half, and then you got a, like, de facto taco. There de facto
1: go. taco is my favorite business, uh, <laughs> my favorite food truck. <laughs> it's basically a taco. <laughs> uh, uh, but beef- Pete, don't you think you'll get sick of tacos? Maybe you should have it be a little modular, so you could say, like, you better have... Yeah. Cheese steaks or whatever yeah, else yeah. that you might want to eat.
0: Yeah. yeah. You better have uh plates because I keep folding them in half on my spaghetti. <laughs> Uh, Any other moments you want to shout out Before we start to wrap up here Obviously uh, we touched on it a little bit But the main thrust of the plot is that super terrorists Or super villains, whatever you want to call them Are coming into the United States Uh, The boys find out about one specific one That's coming in, try to tell Rainer about it And her head explodes, which is horrifying As
1: usual Uh, The look on Huey's face When that happens is so good It's so funny and
2: I wanted to ask you guys, was that something from the first season? I felt like I remember somebody having a bloody nose and then their head exploding. Did that happen in the first season? Am I completely making that up? I mean, a lot of heads
1: were yeah. exploded uh, in general, but maybe not quite like this, though, I think.
0: Uh, sorry, I just sneezed while we were talking about noses bleeding. That's not great.
1: Oh. Uh, Your head you, is about to I explode. Hope you don't die.
0: Yeah, if it happens, uh, keep going with the podcast without me.
1: Yeah, well, we will. The story will continue. <laughs> uh, well, one other thing we should talk about is uh, Becca and Homelander mm-hmm. going to uh, see her. Like, what is happening here?
2: That's, yeah, It was the, almost the way it was set up was, like, he hadn't been, like, it left off and it seemed like he was going to go in there and kind of, like, fuck shit up. But the way he showed up, she was like, "Why are you here?" Makes me think like, "Oh, he hasn't been forcing himself in his son's life, like maybe was, maybe I thought was going to happen or something." I don't know. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely find out as the season
0: continues. We still don't know what happened. On the lawn at the end of the last episode, because where we left off, Butcher was lying there. Homelander was there, introduced himself to the sun. Uh, We also uh, to pick up on something that we talked about quite a bit in the season finale. We know Stillwell's baby was saved, presumably by Homelander because the baby was 17 miles away. But there's a lot of questions there. I think to your point. It's pretty clear that Homelander is putting himself into a situation where he can be top dog, that he is put off by Edgar. He's walking down the hallway. He's furious. He can't do anything about it. So he goes to a place where he knows he can be in charge is uh, my kind of guess theory there, um, which is what he did in the first season as well. Whenever he was over his head or frustrated, um, he figured out a way to twist the situation on its head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead, Justin.
1: I uh, was uh, basically just going to say that, and and whatever his interest is there, it's stressful to see. You can see the look <laughs> on Becca's face, uh, like, oh shit, he's here. Um, and I feel like for all we got to see last season about Butcher hating Homelander, you wouldn't think Becca being alive would make that. More intense, but I think that's what they're setting up here.
0: Yeah. Uh so lots of questions. Uh before we wrap up here, who is the best boy in the episode? Pete?
2: Who mm-hmm. that's gonna be tough. Um the I'm gonna, bu- stuffed I, bunny? I was gonna say uh Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give it to Black Noir. It's just unbelievable. I'm so glad this running bit continues, and I want more of it.
0: All right. Uh, Justin, what about you? Best boy in the episode? A lot of great work. I was going to
2: say Fresca, though. It was a tough choice.
1: You were going to (laughs) say a can of soda. It was going to be your favorite actor in the show. You're going to say is a can of soda. That's right. Okay.
0: The way it Uh, emoted. Ah, Just beautiful. You You could smell the grapefruit flavors coming out of
1: your screen. And the pine notes just mixed in right at the bottom. And Pete, how much is are Fresca paying you to say their name so many times on this show?
2: <laughs> no, I, I do not like Fresca.
1: Okay. You're some sort of Mr. Pip. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going cl- get... to I'm
2: clearly Mountain Dew.
1: Yeah, no. fresca. I can't believe
0: you're slabbing Fresca at your favorite soda is Mountain Dew. You're That's damn right. you're
1: exactly.
2: You're goddamn right.
1: Mountain Dew is like uh, Like eventually Mountain Dew will need to Go th- to rehab and become fresco <laughs> Mountain Dew's Partying too hard Is doing too much coke uh, Stay. Get out of the club Go home, relax, become fresco uh, And if you want to hear more of my Hot soda takes <laughs> I have a whole podcast called Rock and Roll Cola Wars oh, um, wow. It's a Billy Joel themed <laughs> Soda podcast
0: a bottle of red Dr Pepper, a bottle of white Sprite.
1: <laughs> uh, favorite character in this episode, I'm gonna give it up for to Starlight. I think uh, yeah. had to do a lot in this episode, and to be able to juggle this feelings for Huey, stress at the job, but still driving forward, trying to do what's right. Like that's a lot to uh, to do at once, and I think. Um, I think she does it. Uh it's it, I'm look forward to see how like she's in the worst position, the most stressful position. She has no safe harbor. Um and it's I can't wait to see what happens.
0: I uh, sort of had like a a reckoning moment when we were talking about the first season when I realized I was calling out this character too much uh, and decided that I probably wouldn't anymore. But I got to do it anyway, Homelander, for this episode. Anthony Starr is just so good, and every moment he's on screen is so creepy and terrifying and funny, his reactions. In the blind spot scene, there's a laugh that he lets out that is... Simultaneously hilarious and scary, uh, great! Uh, the way that he licks the breast milk is going Ugh. to
1: haunt me forever. Yeah. It's, gonna change, it. it's gonna probably change. It's gonna probably change the way that you drink your breast milk, Alex.
0: Yes. Well, I drink it with a dash of Fresca. Oh,
1: <laughs>
0: gross. So <laughs> so very bad. gross. Curdles. But you know what's not gross is you guys. Thank you so much for listening to thank our. You premiere season two premiere episode. We're going to be rolling out everything uh, as it comes out. So first three uh, over the first weekend and then weekly after that. Uh, meanwhile, if you want to support this show and the other shows, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 PM to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come Check it out, hang out, ask questions about The Boys. We would love to talk about the show with you. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Socially, hear it, number four, The Boys, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until
1: next time. Hey, real quick, if I could do a totally unrelated uh, to us plug. Um, I worked on the boys after show called Inside the Boys, um, oh, yeah. and it's a super, if you love this show, it's uh, hosted by Isha Tyler, and uh, it's, the cast all comes on the show, it's super interesting, it's not just a normal after show where they recount the plot, it's like I'm talking about Justin. on TV, I'm talking about on TV, we don't, we didn't recount the plot, we said a lot of things, Remember? <laughs> How much do they
0: get into Fresca on this show? I mean,
1: some, some. Yeah, I bet. They don't have hot takes like Mountain Dew is a Fresca pre-rehab like uh, we have on this show. Um, But uh, check it out. It's really good. uh, And it's a lot of uh, fun stuff on it. So.
0: And then, that's also dropping simultaneously with the show, right? Like, first yes. three episodes are going up. There's also a preview show that's already up by this point uh, for season two. It recaps uh, a-
1: season one in a very fun way.
0: Yeah, and definitely check out our additional podcast, Let's Hear It for Inside the Boys, where yeah. we recap <laughs> yeah. what happens on the recap show that Justin Berg got. <laughs> Bye, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye.